Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here with one of my favorites. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Hi, Brian. I am so good. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. And I was telling Jerry earlier, she's one of the few that has taken the lead and um and says Brian, um, which I really love. Everyone else is like Dr. Greenwood. And I feel so old when no one will actually call me by my name after they graduate. So I appreciate it, Jerry. At any time. I feel old myself. So I'm uh, right there with you. <laughs> well, we're going to show that you're not old here because I'm going to introduce <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you. So, so Jerry, uh, Jerry Perkle is a 2020 graduate of our program. And I'm super excited to talk to her because she's one of the first ones that we're going to get to talk to who is working in the camp world. And um, so many of us look, uh, look back so fondly on our time at camp. Camp. And I just love when we have um, when we have our, our uh, you know students who are involved in camp um, growing up or whatever. And then um, you know it is a really awesome career. And so I know you haven't necessarily decided that you're gonna we're gonna talk about that in terms of a career. But um, Jerry is currently working at a camp called Quichi Club in Quichi. Vermont. Um, and uh, I got it right. I got the pronunciation right. She gave me the thumbs up. Um, she's a recreation program coordinator there. She's been um, been there for, for two years um, since graduating. So we'll get a chance to talk all about the camp life, Jerry, in, in a little bit. But let's talk about your upbringing. Tell us about where you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned with camps growing up, but I'll I'll start with uh, at least geographically where I was. So I'm from Monterey, California, only maybe a couple hours north of San Luis Obispo, um, a beautiful outdoor area. And I mentioned that partially because um, my brother and I are both very lucky that being outside was a big part of our upbringing, upbringing, excuse me, whether it was camping or backpacking overnight or just day hikes with my family. Um, my parents are really big on having us outdoors and active from a young age. So that I think was a very big constant throughout uh, childhood, school, everything. Um, and then, yeah, what, the transition down to San Luis Obispo, again, another beautiful place to live. Yeah. It was kind of a very smooth transition since SLO also has so many, obviously, outdoor opportunities with hiking and the active community and everything else. Yeah, for sure. So, so those um, those listeners out there who have never been to the Monterey Peninsula, um, you're missing out. It's just such a a gorgeous place, and 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 you're so right, Jerry. It's like you just you feel like you want to be outdoors, right? I mean, um, obviously it can get windy and cold and everything there, but it's just so beautiful that you just, even when it is, it almost, it reminds me of Scotland a bit. Um, I'm, I've never been to Scotland, but when I think about Scotland, you know, the go golf is so big on the Monterey Peninsula and obviously Scotland and in Ireland, um, being the home of the the home of golf, right? Um, oh, I, absolutely! Ironically, stuff. with what I sort of ended up doing, there was a lot more actually that was relevant about Monterey. Everything from like the car show week, which is that yeah. huge week long event here, to yeah. you know the eight the proams and things that are held at Pebble Beach, and actually volunteering at some of those because my dad's a big golfer and he's into cars. So volunteering at those events growing up, my brother and I again were very fortunate to be. I mean, we we're blessed to live in a place as beautiful as Monterey, but very fortunate to be involved with the community, being yeah. seeing these things, going down to Lover's Point. We spent time in Big Sur. Yeah. But and later, I mean, I knew they were cool as a kid, but I wasn't really appreciating them for what they were on like a national or even global scale until right. later. So right. it's like, whoa, that was my my childhood. That's cool. Yeah, I love it. You know, and and I think about that too, like with with slow, you know, I mean living here and 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 we'll go and we'll travel and we'll go go places and and you know i love it and all but when we come home we're like 
Ah, this is <laughs> awesome. Uh, we're home. This is so beautiful, you know. Why did we leave? Really <laughs> you know, but um <laughs> tell us yeah. yeah, you see you mentioned your dad. Tell us about um tell us about your folks. What did your folks do while you were growing up? Um, so while we were growing up, again, my brother and I very lucky, kind of a unique situation that we were homeschooled for a decent amount of our elementary years, um, which I have so many ongoing jokes with every friend and acquaintance I, acquaintance I make about whether it's obvious or not obvious that I was homeschooled. And some people are kind and say, no, I couldn't, you know, I, I never would have guessed. No. And other people are like, oh, that explains everything. Ah. Uh, you know, that type of the, the stereotypes that come with it. Although well, me, I'm, was... I'm one that would say I would never have guessed. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate I'd like to think that most of it wore off by by college. Um, but with that came some really awesome opportunities. So my mom, she was a nurse and then she was our basically our full time teacher for five to six years. Um, and then my dad, he was in the army once he was no longer in the military. He started his own insurance company company of all things um, and has actually just recently sold that business to someone else. Um, so he's been doing that for the past. I won't, I won't incriminate him for for a while now, <laughs> for a, a good amount of time, um, but definitely throughout my childhood growing up, which also I partially mentioned that his own business, we were just in a very unique, fortunate situation that um, we could travel because of that with my dad being able to work remotely before remote work was such a catchphrase around the world. Um, right. And then my mom being able to do our lesson plans on the road and things, we could travel, we could go to up to go camping for a weekend and do, you know, we for our bio classes and we did these things. We went to the Monterey Bay Aquarium for science class or we would go hiking and fossil searching. And again, just really stuff that was cool at the time, but I didn't really appreciate how unique it was until later on. Um, and then my mom did go back to joining nurse. Uh, she went back to part-time work as a nurse because um, that was her passion. Um, and with all that too, my, again, very fortunate. My my dad was uh, a sports coach for several of my brother and my teams, um, which we enjoyed a lot. I think he may have enjoyed a little bit more than we did even because it was just, that's his bread and butter. That's, that's his dream. If he could, right. um, it's, coaching and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so very involved in our sports teams from a young age, which we are grateful for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not really in all honesty, their careers. Cause like my dad's indoors for his career and to yeah. be truthful, that's, it's not the way he would have it. If he, if, if he could choose, he would rather be outside active, right. you know, teaching kids how to tie knots and set up tents and things. But um, so there's a little bit of a, a contra, uh, contrast there but yeah right well i i love it thanks for sharing that so so tell us now i i obviously know but um tell us <laughs> what was your jam what was your jam growing up you've mentioned sports and i know i know what a big athlete you were here at cal poly so <laughs> tell us what your sports were Oh, uh, th thank you. I think it's generous to, I would consider myself, I am a sport enthusiast and athletic enthusiast. I believe there are true not true and untrue athletes. That's unkind. I believe that there are, you know, people who are destined, they have true gifts and strength. And then I would classify myself as someone who just loves the sports, just loves the enjoyment of it. The right. team work, the camaraderie, which I know the higher level ones do as well. Um, but just even my time at Cal Poly. So to touch on growing up, uh, we were in such a variety as young kids, it was soccer, basketball, tennis, volleyball, um, horseback riding, all kinds of stuff. Again, very lucky. My parents gave us a big variety of opportunities to try different things. And if we didn't like something, they'd be like, okay, try something else. You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're six years old. It's no big deal or whatever. Um, and then by the time I got to high school, I, I was pretty committed to soccer. Um, I started field hockey in high school, played it for four years, absolutely loved it. And then lacrosse, um, as I think you know, was always my biggest sport just in terms of passion and time. And I went to my first clinic, I think, in seventh grade and then um, played it in my seventh grade summer, eighth grade, all four years at high school, and then on the club team at Cal Poly um, for not quite four years, but almost. 
Right. And Cal Poly has an illustrious uh, women's lacrosse program, club oh. women's lacrosse. I mean, I remember, I think I told you when I first got here, they were like seven time national champions, like when I, <laughs> something like Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, they had an era for sure. Of it, I mean, that is, I don't know, we may get into this more later with the college experience, but that is absolutely second home, second family. That was just, yeah. that was everything for me, especially as a freshman, finding, uh, finding a community there. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about the, let's talk about the glory days segment. You know, I like to give people this, uh, this chance to, um, to brag a little bit about, um, their proudest accomplishment before they got to Cal Poly. So, uh, what was yours, Jerry? Oh man, that is a toughie, uh, for, for a variety of reasons, partially because I will acknowledge I, I, as I think many do struggle to brag quote unquote about myself um yeah and unfortunately i even struggle sometimes to feel pride for things i should feel pride in but for whatever reason but that's something that i've been working on a lot but even back when i was more hesitant to admit that i was proud of something i would say too hesitant at the time to say that i was proud of this but i am very happy with how everything went looking back and um my freshman year of high school my high school here in um Salinas Monterey area. It's called York. It's a fairly small uh, private school with a relatively small athletic program. So not like we don't have our own pool. There's certain things, but we still had a water polo team. Anyways, it was always a little bit um, tougher to get things going sometimes, but there was a men's lacrosse team, a boys lacrosse team. Um, and I thought there was a girls lacrosse team, but then we came to like winter of my freshman year and I found out that there wasn't a girls team. Oh. Um, so I, which I was just devastated about because yeah. I was like, I want to play lacrosse. And I'd actually talked to other girls that were interested in it and things. Yeah. So I went to our athletic director, got in touch with him and he was wonderful. I was able to work with him and we actually were able to get, we needed like a certain number of committed names to apply to be a team within our co- county's school league or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. we had our first season, uh, our first inaugural season, my freshman year. No um, way! You got it started that quick. That's awesome. I was desperate. We, were, I was like, I, I think it was it. December or something. I discovered it, and I was like, "Oh, you're kidding!" And there were like seniors that I knew who were like, "Oh, I've always wanted to try." You know, like the boys' team. It's there, and I'm not saying it was just there was there was a push and a drive. I mean, it took some effort right. to keep the boys' team going, and that was wonderful and necessary. But then there hadn't really been, I guess, necessarily the organized push for the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we had our first year. I mean, we were ooh, we were scrappy. I think we won one game, but yeah. boy, were we excited about that one game. That I was bet. huge for us. And then what I'm most, I will say, proud of is that the team is still there. You know, so my first year that was 2013, spring of 2013. That oh, yeah. is quite Ten years later. Talk about feeling old. Yeah, ten uh-huh. years later. Um, I don't know exact. I don't know their record or any of the details. All I know is that they still exist. They still yeah. got. It's introducing, you know, a few yeah. dozen more girls to the sport every year, which just makes me happy to think about. So that's yeah. definitely for me something that I mean, it was selfishly everything for me while I was there, and the sisterhood, and just like, oh, I just it made my high school experience by far but more so the fact that it still exists for other g- girls and is hopefully making that community and whatnot for other people is something that's the part that makes me most proud. Yeah, absolutely. That legacy is a huge thing. And uh, uh, so proud of you for that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about now that transition, right? From, uh, from high school to college, obviously, not that far away and uh, only a couple of hours, like you mentioned earlier. So um, I am sure growing up, you knew about Cal Poly, but everyone has their own unique story. Tell us, uh, tell us your story. Absolutely. So mine, kind of my cheat code, if you will, was my older brother went to school there and I had visited him when I was in high school um, for to watch. He played the cross as well, actually, in high school. Um, and then on the men's club team at Cal Poly. So I would go up to watch his games, um, visit him and some of his friends who had also from high school had gone to Cal Poly. Um, so I'd spent time around the college some, both in the, I toured it and seen the classrooms and things, but also just like spending time with the freshmen and kind of getting, you know, the feel of like, is it, 
not to sound cliche, but like, is it a welcoming community or, you know, what's, what's just <laughs> right. kind of, what does it feel like to really be a student here for a little bit? Um, and every experience I had, uh, again, not to, I mean, I don't go any there anymore. I don't have a reason to lie about this, but I loved it. It was just the energy on campus. I mean, yeah, I don't have to tell you about it or anybody listening. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's electric at times and sure yeah. there's pros and cons, the Hills and whatever else have you, but I, um, yeah, thought it was so amazing. So I was always interested in it a little bit. And then, um, due to actually some injuries that I had in high school through lacrosse and field hockey, I became very interested in physical therapy. Um, cause I had a few that helped you know, get me back on my feet and that what they'd done for me, I was like, wow, imagine having the knowledge and the next, like, imagine being able to do that for someone else to get right. someone who, you know, so badly wants to go back to their sport or just be able to walk again or whatever, like to get them outside and moving again. How wonderful would that be? So I was very interested in kinesiology. I was all about kinesiology, um, exercise science. I wanted to chiropractic or physical therapy. So I only applied to schools that had kinesiology programs. Da, da, da. Um, that's what I started at Cal Poly as actually. So I um, visited again and yeah, I mean, I knew they had lacrosse, they had kinesiology, they were close to the ocean, which was pretty much like everything that I was really looking for. It wasn't, right. it wasn't too picky um, in right. that regard, at least. Um, but I, so yeah, I was kinesiology until I think it was my second quarter, my freshman year. Okay. And then in all honesty, I, not to get too far ahead, but I really realized that uh, an easy critical way of saying it about myself would be that I wasn't smart enough, but it, to really, to, no. which here and there, but to break down the situation, I've noticed that I had classmates who were definitely more uh, more driven for this specific thing than I was. I, I thought it was interesting, but I couldn't actually picture myself in the career. That was what I really got to is with some of my intro courses where they were talking about, you know, this is where this career will lead and this is what this will look like. And the more I thought about, in all honesty, a lot of it was the being inside aspect. And I was like, I'm going to be indoors and I'm these extra years of school is going to mean more of this and that. And wow. I have so many friends actually who were on some sort of either chiropractic or veterinary or medical school route, you know, and it is perfect for them. Yeah. But I just kind of realized relatively early on, I was like, I don't think that I want this at least enough to justify the steps and the sacrificing of other things necessarily. Cause I was also very much someone in school who I was, I enjoyed my courses for the most part and I wanted to do well academically but i really was passionate about sport and the community and clubs and there was a yeah. lot i wanted to be involved with that yeah. i wasn't necessarily willing to sacrifice um to put in whatever the hours were that were going to take it so i think it was like my second quarter and i was in you know my first physics bio chemistry kinesiology and then some other class i decided to, which also was a bit of a mistake i decided to take five class however many credits that was back in the day yeah. um and that that quarter kind of kicked kicked my butt, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is a lot, and I don't have yeah. the most um, scientifically or mathematically inclined brain." Right, um, right, <laughs> right. Necessarily. Well, well but, I'm uh, laughing, um, Jerry, <laughs> only because we have that in common, right? I oh. I was the same way. I was pre dental. <laughs> were you really i was i was pre-dental and i Imagine met a, that. i met a young lady named organic chemistry and she broke my heart <laughs> I, I never even made it to oak i didn't even make it that far yeah it was yeah. it was early on <laughs> be glad be glad you didn't <laughs> she's a She's a nasty gal, that organic chemistry. <laughs> I'll stay far away from her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think, um, and I appreciate that you um, that you framed it in the way that you framed it, um, Jerry, because I, I think you're incredibly intelligent um, a yep. woman. And, um, and I never, you know, with any of our students that, that transfer in, I think that's one of the things that's so great about Cal Poly is, um, while, you know, you can make a case that it's, it's obviously very hard to decide on what you 
want to do at 17, right? When you declare your major or whatever. Um, One of the things that I think is great about Cal Poly is um, there's a responsibility aspect in transferring, right? Like you can't just transfer, just, you know, know, it's a process, right? Whereas a lot of other schools, our major is the discovery, is a discovery major. And so you do get a lot of kids who flunk out of other majors. You really do. Um, but you can't, that's not how it works at Cal Poly, right? Like you, you have to, you have to have good grades to, to, to transfer in. And, um, you were probably able to do it a little bit easier since you made a decision so quickly. Um, right. I think that's how it works. That's correct. I was fortunate that it was, it was like right in time before I was going to have to put in another quarter to show basically. Yeah, exactly what you're I mean, and it is absolutely not on a whim. It is, it's a lot of thinking and I mean, internally for me, it was a lot of deliberation, you know, is this the right choice or not? A lot of back and forth on that, but also, yeah, I mean, the school, I, in my opinion, which I've heard a variety of experiences and I understand the process can be frustrating, but I think it's very good that, I don't know that they make, um, they don't make it too easy. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, it benefits us from a great deal too. like the declaring major thing in advance, um, makes it so that our students, um, are, I mean, obviously getting into Cal Poly is hard enough. Right. Um, but then like getting into it and then having to declare your major, there's levels and that sort of thing. And so it obviously it helps us there. So let's talk about um, let's talk about that experience. You know, I know how involved you were here <laughs> at Cal Poly. And, you know, I remember even like uh, you you were like super involved, right? You had clubs and and um, and club club lacrosse and, and all of that. Um, when you think back on your experience, um, first of all, tell us your most memorable experience just in general, and then um, and then tell us from a professional development perspective what 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 you look back and you think, oh wow, that really made an impact on me. Gotcha. That is, and I'm I'm grateful to say that that's a hard one to answer again, just because I think I was very fortunate to have a. Uh, this feels like a, a high school vocab word, but it's the only one that's pop, popping in my head. A plethora, a, a plethora of sm- like small, very positive experiences spread yeah. out throughout my high school, uh, excuse me, call it time at uh, Cal Poly. Although I think favorite, I don't know if this is partially just because I'm in the freshman mindset, but the first thing that popped to mind was definitely um winning the championship and before it sounds too exciting it was in our like b division b level it was it was it wasn't the most competitive level of our club lacrosse but it was my freshman year our we have an a team and b team our b team won the championship at the end of our spring and it was something that as a team we i mean it was perfect for me because we tried very like people were committed they were dedicated they put in the effort but Mm -hmm. we didn't necessarily expect a lot of ourselves and neither did anyone else so when we did well it was surprising and and i mean it was exciting of course but it was also kind of like oh my gosh we really did it you know it wasn't like no one was like oh yeah you know they they came through it was but anyways i just remember that feeling at the end because we'd been i mean given it our all that weekend we we'd had a good season it was and uh, tournaments are always just very memorable meaningful things um for me at least usually either coaching or playing in them um, but there is just something I, I remember so vividly. Yeah. Just the last, the last game. And then when we scored, it was a close one. We came back from behind, scored a goal. And I remember like, we all like lifted up the trophy and it was like something out of a movie that I had never really been a part of before yeah. because I have always, I, I've, I love playing sports and I loved my high school sports experience, but we weren't necessarily, um, in the, in the, in the, habit of winning things per se so that was just that sort of like surge of excitement and i didn't really think that i would care that much or even my teammates but for in the moment when we had gotten first place it was like oh my we just yeah it was just a really cool bonding moment that i remember kind of like in in some ways I, I, I would want to say set the tone but at least was somewhat uh uh 
indicative of things ahead specifically things ahead yeah it's like I, I i like that it set the tone right you like you it, 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 I, something about sport and those oh those um those relationships that you form and those memories that are created it's just um it's hard to top it's really it's hard special. to top yeah they yeah. really are it really is special and um and you hear like you know all the cliches and all of that uh you know after a championship when when, when we watch it on oh. TV or or whatever but it's Some it, cliche. it really is true you know it's like it's it, it's a it's a different feeling it's very different being there feeling it and that was the thing where i'd seen you know i've watched enough movies sport events whatever seen them i'm like oh yeah that you know that seems exciting and even when we were down you know my teammates and i were down to the last game for whatever reason i think all of us were still just kind of like it it, might, it probably won't happen i don't know i i know for me it was like just <laughs> trying to keep the slow or whatever but it was we were like you know like it's right. not it's not really going to happen when it did just right. yeah just that feeling of um but yeah, I've had, as I mentioned before, with like, this is pre-college, but like in coaching and things, and there's just something about being present and seeing people yeah. excited for and proud of each other, which like you were saying, one of the special things about sport. Um, right. But yeah, that's definitely one of the first ones that comes to mind um, yeah. for what, like What about things. professional development? So, you know, um, I know you, I know you did lots of things to embrace that learn by doing spirit here at Cal Poly. <laughs> what really stands out as a memory from a professional development perspective? I would say my mind is just racing right now, in all honesty, with a bunch of memories from um, orientation from NSTP, New Student Transition Programs. Because I would say outside of um, lacrosse, and school there were some other clubs i was i was involved in but the organization that i definitely spent the most time to spent the most time to excuse me dedicated the most time to and got the most out of 100% would have been orientation um yeah. just because it is one of those places and i've i've found this at a few other points in my young career that really draw me to places is even though you were quote unquote, just a student, you're really treated like an, an adult, if you will, a real adult, you are, yeah. you're treated like an essential member of the team and your responsibilities are that of someone who is essential. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, you're here supplementing. It's helpful. You know, it's more like for whatever it may be in all for my, again, from my time there, from whether you're an open house or just a slow days weekend or something, it's like, we couldn't do this without you type of feeling, which is a little bit nerve wracking, of course, on some level, the responsibility. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> but, um, but like I would, I remember feeling like nervous definitely before my first week of welcome as a wow leader or my first um, slow days as a, um, again, as a group leader and things. But uh -huh. it's definitely one of those things that taught me that like being nervous is okay as yeah. long as you it's just a sign i remember someone told me this when i was a little kid it was an old he was probably 15 but at the time it seemed like he was in his 30s and yeah. i remember he told me like it's okay to be nervous like it just means that you care if you if you weren't if you didn't care then you wouldn't be nervous and that's no good to be doing that's something you don't all. care about and ever since then it just makes me yeah with nstp too and i think because i was very fortunate as well to um within orientation to work in actually technically all all of the different branches i worked in wow open house slow days and on the office administrative side of things which just gave me a very cool opportunity for more of the hands-on sort of introductory positions some of the behind the scenes you know um talking with the parents lots of coordinating logistics there was a lot of different areas that i got to see from both the front end and the back end which was mm -hmm. very cool um i think one of my again earlier introductions to kind of understanding an organization from, I mean, even like from a hiring standpoint that I eventually was a able to be involved with. So I think that um, staying involved with them consistently where I, long enough that I got to move up somewhat in responsibility and getting a little bit of almost pseudo management experience um, while working still being a student was one of the most valuable things, but then also just the variety of experiences from customer service satisfaction, um, the in-person, you know, engagement, uh, 
designing schedules and more logistical skills like that, email response and phone calls and just getting very comfortable with all that sort of stuff, along with like creating your own icebreakers on the spot or whatever, um, that actually I ended up drawing on all of that later on, um, recently still do, uh, quite a bit. Right. I love it. You know, I just, um, as you're talking, I just started thinking about all all of my time during, um, in student affairs, you know, when I first Mm -hmm. got my start that's how i first got my start in academia in in higher education and um oh cool that's yeah that's one of the things that i think is is really something a message that that people could take away from this um uh, jerry is that you know asi associated students incorporated or Mm -hmm. division of student affairs um and this is at most universities um but I think Cal Poly, because of our learn by doing, I think it's like even heightened uh, more, right? So like like you said, you felt like you were getting this like elevated professional experience and um, and they really do take it as um, student development is key, right? Like professional yeah. development is key and they have a mentality right now, of course, I mean, you might have a better manager or, you know, one that maybe is just getting started. You never know. Right. You kind of rolling the dice there. But Cal Poly tends to hire people who really care about students and really care about that development aspect. So I, I love hearing that you got a good experience. Now, mm-hmm. let's talk about a little bit about that, um, that, you know, I mentioned earlier that you were a 2020 graduate and um, <laughs> that number 2020 is forever etched in our head as, uh, as the global pandemic. And so, um, you know, you, you, you graduated amidst the global pandemic. What was that like, Jerry? I mean, I, I imagine, it was, um, I imagine it was scary and traumatic and all those different things, but, but what was it? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What, what was the experience like for you? No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, you're not far off. I would say in some ways, yeah, it's probably pretty much exactly what you'd expect in that it was very, it was very, I mean, it was tough. It was really hard um, in a variety of ways from a, I remember one of the biggest things, just stressors, if you will, at the time for me was trying to find my internship because I'd had one or two, no, I hadn't locked anything in because I had one or two tentatively lined up that were of course going to be in-person internships. And then both of those fell through, you know, no fault on the organizations themselves, they weren't prepared to transfer their intern programs to remote all of a sudden when they'd never done that before. It was new for everyone. So then I was kind of scrambling and, um, yeah, I mean, I still in referencing, um, kind of that transition today, I'll often bring up that it just, the things that I was really interested in, the things that I, in all honesty, was most passionate about and really kind of focused on while I was at Cal Poly. I mean, I was a sport management uh, concentration and outdoor recreation, but sports, live music events, that's really where I saw myself, sport teams, all that. Obviously, 2020, there was not a lot of, not any live events going on. The industries, it was just wild. It was just suddenly like they didn't exist anymore, which, and again, in the grand scheme of things, which I had a lot of talks with, you know, fellow students and just other friends about this is like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world for, you know, I couldn't find an internship in with a live sporting group or whatever, it's a sports team or something, but like everybody everywhere was going through struggles and making sacrifices. And in the grand scheme, yeah, that one wasn't nearly as difficult as some other people's. So it was, it was very tough in that, in, in some regard, but I think having one thing that helped me with it all was the perspective of like, and I can say grateful, gratefully too, that I'm someone who I like to have a plan, but if things don't go to plan, fortunately through, I honestly would credit mostly past work and volunteer experiences, I'm I'm okay still. If, if I have a plan, but if things, if something suddenly a curveball is thrown in the way or whatever, I've had that happen enough times, never in this regard, but it was like, okay, you know, my, whatever loose plan I had in my head is out the window. Mm-hmm. I, it's not going to be what I envisioned it to. So we're just going to make the best of it. Um, so, cause yeah, I mean, I was one of so many students. I distinctly remember in March of 2020 going home for spring break and Cal Poly was like, oh, it'll be probably like two weeks and then you'll come back. Mm-hmm. So we were like, nice two week break, you know, 
easy. Yeah. And I didn't come back to my apartment in slow until um I was my lease was ending in the fall or something like that. It was right. Right. Everything, yeah, everything changed. And um unfortunately, actually at this time too, in May of 2020, I this is obviously a very personal factor that not hopefully anyone else would have to deal with, but I herniated a disc actually in my lower back to my L4, L5. So I was actually bedridden for about four or so months um, during all of this. So in a roundabout way, I wouldn't have physically been able to do the in-person internships that I had lined up, unfortunately. and so, it, it, or finish my uh, classes even, because of course all the classes went remote and then I took summer courses, which is why I shifted things. I was actually, my whole plan, I thought I was going to do five full years. I had a second uh, minor that I was going to finish up and do some other things. And then when things shifted to online and other whatever, I, I abandoned completing the second minor. I was like one or two classes away, I think, but mm-hmm. I let that one go. Um, let go of the internships I was hoping to do, um, but then ended up actually working for this amazing organization in Argentina that I did a remote internship for. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that. So United, tell us about United through sport. Um, yeah. In uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. So you didn't actually yeah. go there with a mobile. I thought it was a remote one. Mm-hmm, it was. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever, I mean, it was my second official internship. My first, I was lucky enough to study abroad in Australia my yeah. junior year. And I did a three month internship while I was out there. Um, yeah. But this was my second ever, like, quote unquote, real internship experience. And definitely my first one, yeah, being remote. Yeah. And all the credit to the team. So my um, boss, if you will, Ale, Alejandro Lozano, but he went by Ale, mm-hmm. um, working for um, Unido Sport Deporte or United Through Sport is actually a worldwide. Um, it's amazing what they do. It's like like the type of stuff that we talked about in your classes and your community development and sport management, youth classes and things. It's like Oh, it's just incredible. And they have locations in Africa, throughout in South Africa. I think they have one in Tanzania, Buenos Aires, throughout Europe, a lot of different places running. Um, yeah, I mean, what a lot of us are passionate about and have studied is yeah. youth development through sport, community development, specifically through sporting programs. Yeah. Usually it would be street hockey, or sometimes it was, I was learning something about the Africa ones, like handball is a really popular one. So it varies from region to region. But anyways, mostly what I was doing, it was myself working for Ale, and then he had two employees um, down in Argentina working with him. They were also working remotely from home, but all of us, um, and it was the first time they'd done it. So we were kind of figuring things out together, which was right. a little bit daunting in some ways because, you know, there wasn't necessarily as much guidance. But right. when, whatever, quote unquote, was lacking in guidance was made up for entirely in support. Like they were just so wonderful about me. They're like, do what, like whatever you can, because they were like, what ideas do you have? Which was great to be asked that they right. wanted to. They've said they they wanted to, you know, improve their onboarding. They had an onboarding presentation for their volunteers that hadn't been updated in, you know, over 10 years or something, that type of stuff. And actually, I don't know if you remember, which I, again, thank you so much for doing this, but you were the professor I reached out to and we had your, I don't know which RPT, I don't know which class it was, but one of your sport management classes that submitted those videos, um, of instructional sport videos to be translated and things that we used um shout out to any of the students who helped with those i still have them on my google drive somewhere that's awesome yeah that's so awesome uh i love it and um yeah what a what an amazing opportunity i love i love hearing that and i'm just like trying as you're talking i'm like trying to picture like what that was like with (laughs) with them being in buenos aires and you being but them being remote too right and uh, oh Oh, it was wild. And th- and it was, again, drawing on things that I never thought I would necessarily get the chance to use. Like Ale spoke very good English, but his two employees, they were bilingual, but only to a certain extent. So half of our meetings, and actually, as the, the longer the internship went on, the more that uh, by the end, we met just in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I would meet with some of Ale's partners or things via Zoom that they were mm-hmm. getting involved in programs and just working with. And some of them 
some of those people only spoke Spanish. So right. it ironically ended up being an amazing opportunity for me to practice my Spanish. I bet. Yeah. I used in a long time. So that was just another thing about it that honestly right. was a better experience than I ever could have hoped for, where I went from feeling right. relatively discouraged, to be honest, about like, gosh, what, you know, what am I going to end up doing? Some yep. desktop yep. internship with some place I'm not that interested in, but it ended up being, yeah, Argentina and the amazing right. and kids. And yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Right. Well, that's, that's actually, um, a, that's a lesson, right. In and of itself, like uh, yeah. making, also making, uh, making the best out of things and, and, um, I love that. That's so great to hear. So let's um, let's jump in to Quichi and tell us about yeah. um, tell us about how you got this position with the Quichi Club in Quichi, Vermont, and um, and then tell us um, you know, a bit about your day to day and 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 what it's like and what your responsibilities are and that sort of thing. Totally. Yeah. So. Um, I'll try to make the the quick version of it is after I officially graduated. So finished my internship in December, 2020 and graduated um, from my living room with my parents yeah. and my grandparents the, with a slideshow um, yeah. as many, as many went through that experience. Um, I then got to, I moved back to San Luis Obispo living with actually my cousin for a little bit and was working, uh, I think four little four part-time jobs. I was working for Chipotle, yeah. Sprouts, uh, this parks, uh, slow city parks and rec as a yeah. soccer coach, which was uh-huh. one of my favorite positions probably. And then for a catering company. Um, so I was just working, looking for opportunities, trying to keep myself busy and hopefully making some money. And then uh, while I was waiting for kind of what was going to happen next, because I was still a little lost in figuring it out. Right. And then I stumbled upon this virtual career fair called RCRA that I had never heard of before. To this day, it's something somehow through Handshake, it got emailed to me. Yeah. I'm still not positive to this day, but I <laughs> attended it on this virtual career fair on a whim. Um, the night before I looked up some of the properties, I was like, sure, they look pretty. Let's give it a go. Um, mm-hmm. Not expecting anything to come from it. But lo and behold, I got a few interviews. And then the Quichi Club specifically um, was one of the ones that was paid and included housing. So I Googled pictures of Vermont. And, and I really liked, I mean, I, I connected well with the people I interviewed with. Yeah. So I Googled some pictures of Vermont and I was like, it looks really pretty. How yeah. bad can it be? You know, it's three and three months. Let's go. And my parents were teasing me. They were like, you can't go out of the country because we're still COVID. So they were like, you're getting as far away from us as you could possibly go while staying in the country. Because I mean, Monterey, California, Vermont, it really, Maine is a little further, but that's yeah. about <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, so I went out there to do an internship and was so lucky. Well, fortunate again with the situation that there was an opening at the end of my internship for a coordinator position and my boss decided to take a chance on me and give me the offer and I came home and talked to my parents and decided to move to the east coast yeah that was yeah two and a half years ago which is Um, why I think about I love it so tell us about Queechee Club what's it like what's the um what uh who are who are the campers are they day campers are they residential campers what's the yeah. whole, what's the whole story give us the give us the full lowdown picture Queechee club for us oh gosh yes Queechee club so it is actually it, it's a lot going on at once and i'll try my best to focus on like just mm. what i am most directly involved in although there's a few different departments so yeah. The Kuichi Club itself, it's similar to like what you would think of like a country club or resort, but it's actually a homeowners association, which is really cool, partially in that, yeah, partially in that it's a lot of families that are there year round or six months out of the year, either they're snowbirds or they're summer, they come for the ski season or for the summer season. So it's a lot of familiar faces that we see week after week, month after month, year after year. So a lot of the kids that I work with, I've known now for yeah, almost three years. And that with anyone who's worked with kids, of course, the experience of seeing them grow up and things like that. So that's one of definitely the coolest. Oh, it's amazing. There's, it's something, there's something special about it. Um, But so 
within that, most of what I would say my biggest responsibilities are in the summertime. As a coordinator, I work year round, um, but we do have technically an off season. Um, and our, our generally our winter is considered our off season, although we still do run programs. But so we run our main camps. Um, are, they all have their cute little names, of course. There's Q Crew, Mini Crew, and Outdoor Adventure Crew. And between those three camps, let's see, 80, I'm doing some quick math here, which is a dangerous move. We probably, sir, we'll, we'll have between 100, I'd say 160 kids in camp between the three um, throughout, throughout the day, give or take. Um, and that is, we do it as kind of a classic, if you will, it's, it's kind of a classic summer camp. And by that, I just mean that it isn't an arts camp. It isn't a specialized camp or a focused one. It isn't specifically for music or theater or sports or something. We really do a little bit of everything. We go to the lake and we do swimming games and we have bonfires and talent shows and muckrucks. Present, we we do a lot of different things, um, and the interns come up with the themes for every week. So it's really one of our interns' big priorities. Uh-huh. Um, it's kids, so mini crew is three to five year olds. So those are our little littles. Nice. They're so adorable. We have a morning session and an afternoon session, and then we have our Q crew kids, which are six to twelve year olds, and then outdoor adventures a little bit older, eight to twelve, because they're doing more hiking and backpacking uh-huh. stuff. Uh-huh. And then we have our staff. Um, which actually includes counselors in training, which then the kids, so those can be 13 and 14 year olds. So you have to be 15 year old, 15 years old to be a counselor. But the way that some of those kids who are too technically too old for camp, but still want to be involved, they can be volunteer counselors in training, um, which is another cool program that I get to kind of oversee is their early professional development from a very young age. Right, right. Well, how cool. That is really awesome. So um, as I'm uh, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself like, wow, I bet that wow training um, really helped out quite a bit here as well. And um, and the youth development probably uh, too um, helped a bit. Um, 100%. Truly, I one of the things that I love about this position is that it isn't um, just it isn't just one thing, which I think a lot of our people in our industries are lucky to say. But it's I mean it's event planning and because we I I do camp and that's a big thing I do. But we also do family New Year's Eve party, trivia nights, hiking, mm-hmm. kayak trips. I mean everything from like scouting routes on maps to writing up itineraries, yeah. doing marketing. We we're a three person department, so we do all of our mostly all of our own promotion and marketing materials. Hey, it's one of those things. Doing where all, don't you? Yeah, you got your hands in it from beginning to end. So yeah, I mean the courses I've taken, even some of my GE, you know, and like online uh, digital design courses, CPG stuff, and. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, then event and experience design, it's all, it's, it's, it's wild just how much of it ties in to every single day, whatever it is that I may be doing. I bet. I bet. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, this, uh, this is, this is an interesting one. I think, um, for, for a lot of people will, will be interesting to hear you, hear you reflect on this. Okay. from a work-life balance perspective, mm-hmm. like how is it when you like live there, right? And you're like expected to kind of almost, I mean, are you almost on call like night and day? Like, how do you, how do you balance that aspect? Yeah, no, that's a, I mean, a really good question. And especially as someone who has just been learning it for the first time, if you will, figuring it out. Cause I will say that's one thing is that not to sound cliche, but there's no like, one size fits all solution. It so entirely depends on your personality, your energy style, your recharge, your your workplace, you know, what your job is. And that's the first thing that comes to mind for me is I'm very, very happy. My work is very fun. Uh, my boss, even when, I mean, he and I have this thing that he said it to me when he hired me and now we say it to interns. And it's very true that, you know, if you're not happy to be at work 
at least 85% of the time, then like something's wrong. Something should be able to change to make that so because yeah, it's not going to be a fun 100% of the time. Of course, sometimes, you know, again, anyone who's worked with children, you are dealing with screaming children or their parents or what their babysit, whatever. And you're the person who's smiling and taking it. Yeah. Yeah. There are some days, but in general, I mean, how the way I feel is like, how could I not be happy and like you know grateful to be here because literally my job is to have fun with kids like my job to like make three-year-olds laugh and hopefully learn something and make a friend you know for like over the course of three hours like or I run a Halloween party like it's just the things that I get to do so I would say I'm very lucky in that my work isn't I would say as physically or even emotionally draining as some what 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 some people do for work out in the world that being said i definitely still need to recharge after yeah yeah anybody who's working with kids holy moly eight hour ten hour day with the kids (laughs) yeah and there's oh man like school break weeks are something something else those are our, our big go weeks um but i would say that for me definitely not I mean, again, it comes back to personality type, but not choosing to unprioritize the things that I need know I need to do. Little thing, like a little bit of, I don't need to work out every day for an hour, but like if it's, you know, if I'm, it's a busy time of year, a little yoga in the morning or like making sure that I eat, like making myself do the things. Cause I personally have a tendency, I'm like, oh yeah, it's important that I take care of myself. And I say that and then work and everything else that I'm focused on becomes more important. Um, and I would say, actually, for me, it's definitely something that I've learned to even lean on. I know that I'm not great at doing it for myself. Unfortunately, I'm still working on it, but I'll let my interns know. I'm like, hey, if you see that it's like 1130 and I still haven't finished my, you know, because they will tease me about this. I'll start my breakfast at like 8 a.m. and yeah. I will forget to eat it for I won't whatever. It's yeah. kind of a joke, but I'll say something like, you know, like, help me out (laughs) yeah tell me yeah yeah help exactly if you guys don't mind like help me out help me take care of myself a little bit um also ends up being i think specifically with my interns who you know of course they're trying to work hard prove themselves also lets them know that i mean it when i say like we want we prioritize care of yourself yeah like you said work-life balance i mean and there's so many reasons it's it's just necessary if you want to have any sort of sustainability in yourself or your workforce in my opinion yeah well, well, next I want you to tell us a little bit <laughs> about Vermont. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, fi- I'm an old fish head. Um, and people, some people out there are like, what? Like you like to fish as in like catching fish and fish <laughs> no, 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 but I like the band, uh, fish P H I S H my, my buddy introduced me to them in 1994 and, uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, over the last uh, thirty years, we've been following um, following them, and they are from Vermont. So yeah. um, that's how Jer- Jerry, uh, I'm sure, had to take like uh, some fish trivia when she first moved to Vermont. Uh, <laughs> it's, I should have. It's it's yeah. funny. There's quite the deadhead community at the uh-huh. Queen Club, actually. Uh-huh. Sure, I am sure there is. <laughs> Vermont is this little, like, uh, little quaint little um, northeastern uh, state that uh, mm-hmm. has quite a quite an eclectic eclectic uh, group of people that have uh, that have resided there. I would say, but but oh. tell us about what it's like. Like, was you know, I I don't specifically know Queechy, Vermont. Um, mm-hmm. What it's like? What's uh, is it beautiful? Is it what's um, what's it like? Yeah, I mean, it is, I will say, as someone who honestly, and not like anybody who knew me growing up, and even in college would say this, who never planned to go to the East Coast, not to visit, not never to stay. My mom made some joke. She's like, make sure you, yeah, she's like, you got to come back now. And I was like, yeah, right. Like laugh. I was like, yeah, right, mom. Like, what am I, am I going to move to New England? Like, don't be silly. And obviously here we are two and a half years later, but that to me, it just speaks to how beautiful it is. It is so amazing out there. It is very different. It is so, so different. I felt like a fish out of water. And I will say that that transition, I mean, the first 
I don't know. It it wasn't necessarily easy. There were highs and lows, but it was it was very at times I was like, gosh, I am so, I feel so different from everyone else out here. Very friendly, very welcoming, but I just felt so out of place in some ways. Um just from like I don't even know. It it, it wasn't distinct differences. It was just uh, um I mean it, it's it's like a practically a whole nother country it might as well be. But in general, everywhere, it's just hiking up the wazoo. There's lakes and rivers all over the place. Like I, in the summer, I swim in the river almost every single day, six days a week. I'll take a dip in a river or lake or something, or just go for a little mile hike up to like a lake on a mountain. It's, oh, and then the colors and the fall, it's gorgeous. And the winter, I've never lived somewhere with real seasons is what i would call it before uh monterey is gorgeous but my word is it moderate which is wonderful right. some people love that but 65 and sunny almost all the time um which is great but i had never experienced yeah autumn colors especially i mean in vermont of all places and then the snow blanketing the ground and the trees and then in the springtime when all the flowers actually come out of the ground like you hear about in movies and books but that is not really a thing honestly in monterey right we have enough water uh, yeah and then the rain out there they have so much water it's just it's very there's a big emphasis on the outdoors which i love it is a lot less people it is a lot slower which has been kind of a tough adjustment and has kind of changed my lifestyle i think mostly for the better but in some ways not for the worse i won't say but in unexpected ways i'm a lot less socially active than i used to be um right. just because of yeah where i'm at there's not a lot of, not that many not people. Lot of people. <laughs> yeah it's just right. i mean it's a village queechee is literally a village in the right. town of hartford which i found out after i got there so i right. love i i'm um I'm, I'm more than i ever expected to i would say i'm very happy out there Awesome. Awesome. That's very cool. So, um, you know, the last question or last couple of questions I have for you is mm -hmm. for those who are interested, you know, in the camp life or interested in a career yeah. in, 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 um, in a more camping type oriented, um, uh, you know, what, what's your, what's your thoughts there? Like, are you, are you thinking you're going to make a career out of camp mm -hmm. or are you thinking, um, what are you thinking? That's, what am I thinking? That's such a great question. Um, I it's interesting because I just want to acknowledge kind of before I answer it fully that in all, like in yeah in all honesty this isn't what I wanted quote unquote two years ago two and a half years ago or three years ago whatever this wasn't no part of me I did actually work in camps I went to camps as a kid I worked in camps growing up and I did enjoy them but no part of me ever when I was thinking about, yeah, where do I want to go with my career, my profession, nothing thought camp. Um, and again, in all honesty, I don't know for my personality, if it was just camp, if I could do it year round, part, a huge part of what I enjoy so much is the variety, not only in activities, but in ages too. Right. Sometimes yeah, yeah. I'm going birding with 70 plus year olds. Sometimes I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, driving some 50 somethings to go wine to whatever it's, it's a big range, right. but with specifically the camp aspect, God, I would say, I mean, if you're, so, I, again, some people like working with kids, some don't, some people can program and code, some can't, if you're the type of person that because kids can tell if you're the type of person that genuinely does enjoy being around children and working with children. And I'm not saying a hundred percent of the time, because I don't think anybody does, that would be kind of impressive <laughs> and concerning. Um, but if you are someone who enjoys kids, it is right. so rewarding. Like yeah. it is just like nothing else. And I don't know how many people have probably been able to put this into words much better than I could, but like the feeling that you get, whatever emotion or word you want to put on that feeling. But when you have contributed in some way or facilitated the opportunity for, or been the cause of the direct source of a child's enjoyment, like their joy, which in turn, in my mind, is can sometimes be them, you know, learning how to be kind to someone or some of this more important stuff that 
and again, I joke with my friends a lot because we joke about like, yeah, I'm a glorified, like I'm a camp director talking about, you know, smoke, I'm Smokey the Bear and a, whatever. Like, <laughs> like there's a lot of things that to very easily minimize like, oh, it's just recreation. It's just camp. We still do this all. The, oh, we're glorified babysitting, which like maybe we are in some people's eyes. But on the flip side of it, without trying to make it seem too glamorous or whatever, I really feel a lot of the time like, and I mean, all the credit to schools and teachers, but the, a lot of the kids growth or the kids growth that happens outside of the formal learning setting that we talk about sometimes is just so huge. Like the little moments, because I don't know, for me, I think back on sports teams I was a part of or camps I went to, or even like, yeah, like a craft event or something that my mom took me to and homeschooled or something like and the creativity that's that you spark there the making friends the showing someone the power of teaching someone how to do something or even the variety of types of kids that we get in camp because we get people mostly from the new england area mostly more affluent affluent families is definitely our demographic but we have such a variety that we'll have kids from africa or with um mental health conditions or with physical disabilities or learning disorders that some of these kids because of kind of maybe the bubble they've had haven't been exposed to and then we have the opportunity to introduce these kids to each other and you know show them you no know, through this game through sports through a craft like let just showing them and giving them the opportunities to come together anyways i could ramble on a little bit too much but basically I just think that if you're someone who enjoys working with kids, it is so incredibly rewarding. Um, obviously, it depends on your organization for how much autonomy you're going to have with it and how much it feels like it's your own creation for the kids or for who, whomever, for the adults. Adult camps is something we do too. Um, right. Or how much you're like leading, taking care of someone else's vision. But I think regardless, yeah, you just take a moment to pay attention to like the way the kids are looking at you or looking at each other and you just, it's just like, wow, this is right. an awesome thing to be a part of. Right. You know, I just, <laughs> I just love that, Jerry. And I think there's so much gold in what you just said. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, our, for, for our students who, who, who are listening, you know, that 1000 hours of, of paid or volunteer service, like trying to figure out whether or not you want to work with the kids. Like that's probably a good time to try to figure that out, you know, because, I realized, um, I realized that I love, um, making a difference for kids through like leadership and through like being able mm -hmm. to help with organizations, but mm -hmm. in terms of like directly working with them, it like saps every energy out of my like marrow, <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah. Yeah, you talk about work life balance and saying about how like the kids and how much uh, how much you got out of it. I'm like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> like I can't even imagine like it just yeah. you can't. I can't just been totally yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah, I can't I, I, it, because it just saps every bit of energy out of me. Um, and uh, but other people derive energy from that. And I think it's um. I think it's really powerful to be able to figure out whether or not you are one of those types of people that that um that you know really really love working with kids and I think you're right I think it definitely does take a certain type of person and you know when we were doing um I don't remember whether or not when you took RPTA 260 did you get to do the clinics you got to do the clinic yeah I, I did remember do the clinic you done. I remember seeing your picture in one of the when I took one of the pictures. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so we went for like a two or three year period after the pandemic where we couldn't do it. And oh. so we were just doing like pretend clinics or like virtual clinics. And and then last year we went back for the first time and it was um we I think were I saw first, that. Somewhere. Yeah, we were the first program that Val invited back. And um and it was so meaningful to just get to see, um, you know, our students connecting with the kids. And you can really tell, like, some are really good at it and some aren't so good <laughs> at it, you know, and you can feel that. And um, right. it's really wild. I love it. But um, so I love hearing I love hearing you reflect on that. And, um, 
you know, I can't thank you enough for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, Jerry was a was the first one that um, I've ever uh, out of 160 episodes. The first one where I dropped the ball on it. I didn't want to start it <laughs> off by mentioning that, Jerry. But if people if people get this far, they'll be rewarded by hearing that Greenwood dropped the ball. Yeah, this could be for extra credit. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Extra credit if you hear that Greenwood dropped the ball. Yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, just I had so much on my plate and um, completely spaced on scheduling Jerry, and she's sitting there waiting for me for thirty minutes. And anyway. <laughs> I, I popped on and and said uh, and apologized and now we got a chance to to talk um, for real and just can't thank you enough. Um, I think you know how much uh, how much you mean to me as a former student. You're uh, you were a shining light in the classroom and a shining light here at Cal Poly and and how involved you were with everything and just want can't thank you enough and hope you will tell your folks I said hello and and. Um, this will air after the holidays, but um, happy holidays uh, since uh, since we're right at that that time period as well. That's right. We are. Th yes. Thank you so much, Brian. And I said it then. It's still true. No hard feelings have developed. No hard feelings then. No hard feelings now. I've awesome. certainly been known to drop the ball once or twice myself. So uh, have <laughs> yeah, I will tell my parents and thank you so much for your kind words. That really does mean a lot. I hope. I hope that you're right. I hope that what you're saying, I mean, I believe you, but I hope that, um, I hope I can live up to those words. Definitely. Yeah, and absolutely. happy holidays to yeah, you yeah. and your whole family. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Great to see you. You too. Bye. Bye.